Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. All right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. We're coming strong with this week because we have a Texas win to talk about. Texas gets it done, 37-14 over USC. And, uh, gentlemen, I think we should milk this positivity for all it's worth. It's already practice time, baby. Looking forward to the Purple Kryptonite. I don't think you got that much time to milk it. Forward to Tom Herman had a 30-minute right. rant apparently early this week pleading with his guys to get over this win. Like, get past it. Get past it, man. Put it behind you like it don't mean a damn thing. Do it now. Do it now. The sooner you do it, the sooner you forget about it, the sooner we can move on. Do not reflect on it very much. He still wants them hungry for TCU. I would hope the track record yeah. or lack thereof Texas has in the TCU series yeah. of late would they don't uh, have time. Quickly, quickly shift the focus, right? Exactly. They don't have time to. The Purple yeah. Kryptonite's right there, man. They don't have time. It, right. it, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate because I agree with you. It's a quality win, and we got a lot of mojo from it. Texas got to 900 wins. They got that win on their birthday. I think they were the 135th birthday as a university. Uh, V.Y. got honored during the game. Above Matthew 500. McConaughey, yeah, Matthew, Matthew McConaughey is down there. He's giving you know pregame speeches to the players. I mean, it was just a lot of te- the sellout crowd, of course, 103 plus thousand. It was a, it was a lot of Texas mojo going. Almost too much for USC to even overcome, and that's great. But we got to get over that. Right. We got to get over. We got to move on real quick. Well, we will talk about the USC win and what it means yeah. uh, for Texas going forward, and we will also look ahead to TCU at some point in the show. I am Jeff Howell. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, Matt Butler. Matt, how are you doing, sir? Doing pretty well. And right there, when Rod started talking about that point, it sort of gave me an aha moment in my head because we were talking about how last year the team was always a team that over exceeded expectations in the big games yet came up short, so then the team was always hungry, and they had that team, so it sort of was all that motivating factor. You're right, this is the first time that I've actually thought about the team after a big win and how they respond because before you could say, oh, well, they performed really well against these good teams. They should continue to perform really well against these good teams, Mm -hmm. but that's that one difference is last year they weren't getting that actual big win that they expected, and this year they finally did on the front end, so we'll see how they react another little our learning test for them. I heard a Chris Boy quote that I, I didn't like. He said, I think we're already kind of back. And I was like, Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Every time Texas is it back, in, you are It was in the paper. I, I, I saw it. I think we're yeah. already kind of back. I'm like, eh. Uh, a, a man who was on the 40 Acres when Texas down. was back, when Texas was winning 11 <laughs> games a year, uh, our lockdown corner on the show got called a bum for winning 11 games in a season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My, my, how times got have changed. Out, got, uh, Chris Sims got tire slash. At the same time, he was the most <laughs> winningest quarterback in school history. Yeah. Lifetime <laughs> Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jeff Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas in the 40 Acres, where he earned his degree. His T-ring is on the way, and when he gets it, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And, Rod, I want to start this discussion about this Texas win over USC, talking about what this is a this should be a feel-good uh, victory for Texas for the three of us because everything we talked about last week that Texas needed to do to win this game, they did. And the statistical area I want to focus on are two areas, uh, first down and third down offensively. We'll start with the offense. And... 34 snaps Texas had on first down, averaged 4.44 yards a play, almost four and a half a play on first down. Yeah. So you're winning. There were now there were some passing completions, but I Rod, I counted of all the first downs, all those 34 uh, first downs, I counted one that was a negative play. Oh, that's good. Now, that's a great stat. 
Yeah. yeah. That's a great So that's you're not you're not necessarily winning all the time on first yeah. down, but you're not losing. Now, that's not counting penalties. They had a false start in there on Sam Cosme. They started a drive with a delay of game, which Sam Ellinger took the blame for that. He said, hey, with the new clock rules, I, I need to just be aware of, of the clock and, mm-hmm. and how things are on first down after a change of possession. But at the end of the day, you couldn't ask more of the offense than to do what they did on first down, especially – especially the first drive of the first half and the first drive of the second half. Yeah, and we talked about staying ahead of the chains. Essentially, that all that means is win first down. Mm-hmm. Staying ahead of the you, if, and I don't know what the percentages are, but I, I imagine the success rate of you converting a third down, um, if you were gaining at least four yards on first down, you say, what, 4.4 was yeah. the average? Mm-hmm. So it goes up immensely. And I'll add to that, I think Sam Ellinger being a big part of the running game early and often, designed run plays early and often. Yeah, I only think he had 35 total yards rushing. But if you watch that game, you understand him as a running threat really, really brought everything together. And I think a big part of that was them winning on first down. I like that quarterback sweep. Oh, I love the quarterback sweep. Remember they ran the the, the misdirection, uh, like reverse with the wide receiver with it one time too, and Mm -hmm. he still kept it. I love that kind of stuff, man. I think it's great. And if you look at right now Texas overall, you talked about the success on first down, but when you look at percentage, of first downs coming on plays on first or second down. So that's one stat that Bill Walsh used to chart that you see football study hall still chart. Texas still very low on that. So it's good to see that Texas, even though it can be very successful in this game, maybe signs of improvement because they had struggled in that right. area previous in the season. Uh, we go to third downs, Rod. You know, everybody looks at the 10 for 19 on third down. Yeah. Uh, I look more at, and, and again, this we talk about this offense being kind of more of a traditional offense in terms of, you know, the historic metrics that we've always used to measure offensive success. We're not talking about explosivity and things like that like we will when we get into talking about TCU here in a little bit. Um, but it's, you got to be really good on first down. you got to put yourself in manageable third downs. And against USC, Texas on third and longs, it's third and nine or longer, converted two for seven. Yeah. Uh, third and shorts, third and one uh, to third and four, four or five. So, and then they were uh, third and goal. They, they missed their one third and goal that they had. Uh, yeah. In the first half, but again, Rod, it makes get yourself in manageable third down situations. Good things are going to happen. Yeah, no, I mean, and that goes, but that goes back to sorry, not to cut you off. That goes no, back no. to what you were talking about with Sam Ellinger in the run game. You get Sam Ellinger in those third and shorts, third and manageables. Yeah. The entire playbook is open. You don't have to go empty set and mm. show your hand. Reminds me a lot of Dak Prescott this past weekend. Cowboys There's fans will know that too. A lot of similarities, <laughs> right? They started using Dak and using him in the running game, designed run plays. And then they got to third and manageable, and yeah, the Cowboys are a much more effective offense. It's just easier. So much more of the playbook is open. You're less you're, you're less predictable as an mm-hmm. offense. And I, I think you're around the money. What did you say, third and nine? They were two of seven? I mean, that's danger territory for Sam Ellen because he can still be – he's a running threat, but I can come tackle him within, you know, five yards after a five-yard gain mm-hmm. and still force Texas to kick. But a third and four, that's a nightmare. Because yeah. then Texas can throw it. Hell, they can just run it. Or Sam can throw it or run it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there's so many more possibilities for you for them to threaten you offensively when you make it third and four, third and short. So I yeah, to me that's that's easy that's easy money. And I think it it starts with the first downs for us. Yeah. yeah. And when you talk about that third and long and third and short, you look at Texas right now for the year. They're at the very bottom, like 98th in the nation in the amount of times they've been put into third and long. But whenever they actually get into those third and long, they're 41st in production. So they're producing well. They just don't want to put themselves into that situation. Same thing with third and short percentage. Texas, that's what they're actually best at. They're middle of the road across the nation getting into third and short 11% of the time. Uh, Rod, also running the ball on third down. We talked about that. Texas ran it on third down nine times, gained 47 yards, four first downs for their 10 first downs came on running plays so yeah, aver- every when they when they ran the ball on third down they're averaging 5.2 a carry that's a good stat so yeah. i mean it, again it just goes back to when you get yourself in good situations good things are going to happen but man it starts with sam ellinger and i, I charted sam ellinger sam ellinger throwing the ball on first down and, and texas had a good mix uh actually this is on the first two drives i talked about the first drive so let me re-rack that okay the first drive of the first half and the first drive of the second yeah. half. 
And I like the fact that after the game, Sam Ellinger said, look, I challenged the, the offense. Let's score on our first drive of the, week, the first mm-hmm. time we get the ball in the game, and let's yeah. score our first drive in the second half. Start fast. They did that. Yeah. They got the field goal to answer the USC score, which was huge. Even though that it wasn't was a huge. touchdown, they got points. They got points. Which was big. And it was a good drive. I right. Liked the, it was explosive plays on that drive, yes. too. Yes. Came, came out swinging. He had yeah. a 15, 15 yard under 20 yard. He was Colin play Johnson action early. Right out of the gate. Yeah. yeah you got him, uh, got him loose on one of those. Uh, it was like a backside. What was it, like a backside, backside drag, drag, like a yeah. deep drag, like yeah. a six route, but it was like a lazy six. It was like he just kind of followed. Right, the, the, the but it was all, they used the jet sweep action yeah. with so Sean Jameson. Yeah. He did, if he was going against zone, he could have found the soft spot in the zone. You don't want to commit too early because you don't know how the other team is going to play it. So he's just waiting on the soft spot and Sam to find him. Use some nice it was beautiful. It was a beautiful play design. But on those two drives, Rod, Sam Ellinger throwing the football, 9 for 12, 109 yards and a touchdown. Yeah, that's how you got to do it. And I think he I, I, he was a, he was a runner on both of those drives, I believe, at one point. Not and it wasn't a ton. I mean, it was just uh, you know, uh, just I think he had the, the two like designed runs on the first drive there. Did he? Have, he had two of those, I believe. Yeah. Um, and then I think I, he had, yeah he had two. One was in the red zone, and the other one was yeah. uh, on and, a third down. And I don't even think the one in the red zone was successful actually either. It wasn't. It wasn't. Yeah. That but, was that was the one where they tried the quarterback sweep where they faked. Yes. The, uh, there you go. The end around. My point is. It just you gotta have him as a threat. Just him as a mm-hmm. threat. It opens up the offense and it makes the running game more effective. Period. Because they have to allocate resources to do it. So you gotta put that. You gotta put that in the game plan. I know it's more dangerous because he could end up getting, you know, injured and puts himself in harm's way. That's why you got Shane Bouchel back there. So this this was a that. game rod offensively where I felt like. And granted, the production is not. You know, they, Texas had 394 yards of total offense, so it's not. It's not great. The running game wasn't overwhelming, but it was good enough that you could still get into yeah. your play action series. But I thought this was a game plan by the offensive staff, and credit them where. They scouted USC well, and I think they looked at things they could do and said, you know what, we're going to have opportunities to win down the field. Tom Herman reiterated, saying that, you know what, we knew Sam's completion percentage was not going to be good because we were going to take a lot of deep shots. And, Rod, you, you know, when I was with you on the air earlier this week, we were talking about some of this stuff. Uh, You estimated probably 15 to 20 percent. I would say about at least twenty percent of those throws were 20, 20 yards or more down. The I field. think I it think that's more a than conservative that. percentage. It yeah. felt like rewatching the game. It felt like a lot more. Yeah, yeah. It's totally closer to thirty percent. No, I could I could totally agree with that. You could tell that they were they had a you know obviously part of the game plan. Um, they had it as part of an effort to make sure they took shots downfield. Anytime they saw man to man coverage, um, and they can confirm it, and they did. I thought that was, and they didn't always work, but. If you look at it, and here's a stat to you about explosive plays. You brought up Bill Walsh earlier, mm-hmm. who was a freak about explosive plays. Um, and his theory was that, hey, it's too hard to march the football down the field 70, 80 yards. You need an explosive play, a chunk yardage play, at least one on any of those drives to help you get a touchdown. And Texas in that game had an explosive play on every touchdown they allowed and every touchdown they had, they had an explosive play on, except for one, but there was a 15-yard pass interference penalty for Devin Duvernay that actually ends up being kind of an explosive play. It's a chunk yard. It's a game. Right. Yep. So it still holds true to this day to mm-hmm. Bill Walsh. No question. you got to have explosive plays. Mm-hmm. you got to win the explosive play margin. The more explosive plays you have, the more chance you have to get a touchdown. Not a field goal, but a touchdown in the Big 12. That's even more 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 relevant, yeah. Right? Because field goals don't matter. I love Dicker the kicker. We'll talk about him, but you're gonna need touchdowns to win the Big Twelve. Yep. And that's a big part. Whenever you talk about actually getting those results from actually coming through with big plays in Texas, at times this year we had seen Texas maybe winning more downs, but then being the team that was losing those the type of plays, play giving version. up the explosive plays, yeah. or just the variance of. Football being a high-variance sport, you only get seven or eight different possessions per game. So if you squander an opportunity and, say, give them points on that opportunity because it's a turnover, then you're really digging yourself into a hole. And this was a first game that Texas really took advantage of that variance that Mm -hmm. you saw those mistakes. Now, Texas had a missed tackle early on that cost them maybe what could have been that second touchdown when you see and it's like, oh, is this again going to happen? But after that, from that point on, you didn't have anything that turned into a big point play for them, but Texas had one where, say, you go and block a kick. Instead of three, you get seven. That's a ten-point swing. You're going in, goal line stand. They're going to get three. They're going to get seven. Okay, they don't. Well, they should have got a safety. You get lucky there. What happens? You go down and get points. So whichever way you view that, if it's 
seven, or if it's a safety with a field goal or just a safety. Either way, you get a field goal on the other end. That's a five to seven to even 12-point swing there. So you're talking yeah. two plays where the production swung against Texas or in the past. This time, Texas benefits from it, and all that is is being opportunistic. It's the same thing you hear the Daryl K. Royal quote about luck. It's like operate or luck is just when preparation meets opportunity. That situation is you can't predict when you're given those situations in football because it's such a high-variance sport. You just got to be able to capitalize when given the opportunity, and Texas did this game, and they were able to blow them out because of it. I thought this was a very workmanlike effort on offense from Texas. None. There were some explosive plays, Rod, but yeah. for the most part, it's just kind of grimy, not real pretty, but just kind of effective enough that – you kept the playbook open. You didn't get yourself in a bind. Like you said, they're not going to blow anybody out. Right. I, mean, I think. I think we can. It's not, made, uh, it's not made to blow people out. That's kind of been my, you know, theory. Yeah, I agree. Piecing it together, but I think now we can clearly see that's what this offense is all about. Yeah, and and that was an that was actually the offense kind of performing at a high level. Right. Mm-hmm. And yet, still, you know, they're not blowing people out. They're get, they're doing it's doing what it was designed to do, right. which is pretty much control the game. And especially with the lead in the uh, in the second half, after Texas went up nine, twenty three to fourteen yeah. on the touchdown pass to Joshua Moore. From then on, the rest of the game, Texas ran the ball twenty seven times, gained one hundred fourteen yards, averaging four point two a play. Yeah. And what do we talk about in the run game? Four yards, four yards, four yards. Boom! You're moving the chains. That's what they want to do. Um, and I, you know what? And I, I'm with it. I because you're winning with special teams, and you're also winning with defense. And that's what they did in that USC game. Special teams honestly might have won the game for them. And the defense, once the adjustments were made after the first quarter, because the first quarter is a little bit different than the rest of the game, the last th- final three quarters of the game, Todd Orlando's defense was playing at an elite level. I think they, they held USC to what, 1 of 11 on third down. Yeah. So that offense, it almost just complements the other phases of Tom Herman's you know, blueprint to win, if you will. Because right. he doesn't want to endanger his defense by taking – you know. Being irresponsible on offense, basically, yes. yeah, the three and outs, and then putting the defense out there too much and wearing them out. He doesn't want to do that. He doesn't want to lose too much field position because that'll hurt special teams. You know what I mean? So I, I, I'm thinking that he is, or at least I'm, I'm predicting, or at least I'm foreshadowing that he's thinking, no, 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 this offense is designed to complement the other phases of the game, especially once we get control, even though he doesn't believe in momentum, control of the game. Go ahead, man. That's when you look, though, at just this team and and understanding the blueprint needed when you can hold USC to negative five yards rushing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, when you're talking about at that point, then just don't screw it up, don't turn it over. And then since we already are good on standard downs, on rush downs, look at our success rate. Texas has been a top 30 team all season. You know you lack explosivity. So now just go out there, and it's good to see that – understanding from the top all the way down to the you know deployment of the players on the field and Ellinger not trying to force things at times I mean all the way across the board it seemed as if Texas understood the game plan went out and just executed and that's really all you hope for them to do to start if you want any form of consistency to develop let's let's be clear about something Sam Ellinger did not play a great game uh there were some throws he missed uh, he mm. missed on a deep ball to Devin Duvernay yeah. over the middle, where you know it was really similar to the Maryland play yeah. where they scored. He just overshot him a little bit. But I'm and not going to give him. He's oh, got to overshoot like Devin right, Duvernay, right? right? But you can't. Don't, don't no, right? I, I got you. I got you. But just let me finish. Yeah, yeah. But and then there was the play with the safety, which Rod, I'm still not 100 percent clear on the rule. Like, mm. does the ball have to get all the way out? Because if it does, uh, I feel like it probably I, was a safety. I don't know how they missed the call. It looked like, like a safety, safety to me. The rules are different mm. than what we yeah. perceive them to be. It's right. basically mm. they misinterpreted the rules. Yeah. Right. Mm. So <laughs> there, there were some things Sam Ellinger's – That's awareness and you're right. There were some things Sam mm-hmm. Ellinger's definitely got to clean up and, yeah, as he goes sure. forward. But at the end of the day, uh, he executed the game plan. Like we said, this was a really good job scouting by this offensive staff. They mm-hmm. knew what they wanted to do. They went ahead and did it. Uh, and, and as good as the production was in a deep passing game, Rod, of his 15 completions, seven of them were explosive in nature. Yeah. They could have had more. I mentioned the shot to Duvernay. Duvernay mm-hmm. had another one down the field that hit him, like literally hit him in the chest yeah. that he missed. He Gerard Hurd had one that hit him in the hands mm-hmm. that he dropped, but thankfully he came back two plays later and got the 47-yard touchdown to little Jordan Humphrey where he did you know most of the work on yeah. that. But I just think this is we saw what Texas needs from Sam Ellinger in a big game for them to have a chance to win. Don't turn the ball over, and when we need you to make a play, go make a play. The start of the drives, you know, the end of a half, beginning of a half, yeah. 
when when it's when when we need one of those momentum swings, even though Tom Herman doesn't like using the word momentum, <laughs> I will continue illusion. to use it. It's just a pet peeve. But when you need one of those swings, Sam Elliott go make a play on third down, be really good in the areas where he needed to be really good against USC. He was really good, uh, and that's exactly right. Uh, and I and know when you need to step up and make a play. Don't try to do too much, yeah, because you got help around you now. You know, what I mean, you got Trey Watson now. You know, Keontae Ingram, obviously, not with the team that game. It may not be with the team for TCU, but uh, Daniel Young, until he fumbled, actually was playing pretty well, too. Uh, so, yeah, you got Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson. Know, that, know when they need you to step up and make a play. I think he's recognizing that. I just think he's now taking ownership of the offense. What we started to see at the end of that Tulsa game in the fourth quarter, him taking ownership of the offense, making checks and audibles. Tom Herman talked about it again like he likes that. I think now it's not just – Tim Beck and Tom Herman trying to figure out the offense. I think now Sam Ellinger's involved in it too. Mm-hmm. And I think they figured out that Sam Ellinger is a great athlete who's a really good football player that they're trying to turn into a championship-level quarterback. And everybody's dealing with that. I mean, I think that's even at the NFL level, happens at the college level. But when you do that, you have to recognize, and even with Dak Prescott too, that those guys, they're going to, you know, bam, bam, Sam's going to come out at one time. Yeah. yeah. Well, now what you can do is put a constructive outlet within the offense for Bam Bam Sam to operate. So he can have a creative outlet to, to improvise like he mm-hmm. likes to do, getting his Tony Romo phase. Because mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, he's going to revert back to it. And he'll still point. lower his head and from if time you to can, time. if you can constructively use it, then I think you often help him and you amplify other things in his skill set and get him in a rhythm. And we've seen when Sam starts running early – and he's they throwing passes to him and doing trick plays. Sam gets in a rhythm because he's a football player. Yeah. Sam could Sam could Sam could easily be a white running back or be playing linebacker for Iowa State. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like really, he could be one of those guys. He could be doing but both, like that is, dude last year. Yeah, like he, but he he could be what you know Taysom Hill is freaking doing for Returning the Saints kicks. right now. Returning kicks and running down on kickoffs. Like he's a football player. Yeah, They're I, trying yeah. to turn into a good quarterback, and it happens. And I'm I'm not saying it can't happen, but that's the reality. And I think they're they're realizing like. Yeah, why, why try to force him into a tour? Let's, let's get him in a groove. He likes to run. He likes to improvise. He likes to bang around a little bit. If we can protect him by making a designed run, then maybe, uh, you know, the injury, you know, rate would go down. Or his, uh, you know, the, the harm that he's in, maybe we can somehow find a way to mitigate that. Mm-hmm. So I think now they're learning. They're just learning each other. Tim Beck and Tom Herman are finally starting to learn each other a little bit. We still don't know who's hell's calling the place. But I think Sam Ellinger – and Tim Beck and Tom Herman are starting to learn each other. That's too. the big one. Yeah. That's the big because it's all three of them. They're all working mm-hmm. together. It ain't because if Sam don't it like it, something. then it ain't gonna work anyway. And if Tim Beck don't know how to call it for Sam, then he's gonna put Sam in the wrong position. And if Tom Herman don't understand the the, the symbiotic nature of that relationship and how it works, then it's all gonna go to hell. So it's those three that really have to turn around this offense. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of. I can see tent poles. I can see things that. They do really well. That they are now starting to say, you know what? Even if we don't complete the deep ball, we see the benefits. Things of it. to hang Let's their hat going. on. That's it. You know what? Sam running. Hell, man, he was thirty five percent of the rush. They we ran the ball forty eight times. I think he ran seventeen. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He should be thirty five percent of the running. Exactly. He only got thirty five yards, but you know that that USC was worried about it the entire time. They're like, damn, man, we got those stop are hard earned and all needed so, yards when he does. Yeah, that. Yeah, so I think those few things you're starting to see that they do really. Colin Johnson, Lil Jordan Humphrey. All day, every day. Just keep throwing it to them. Yeah. That's something that we're recognizing. Like, oh, those two guys, yes, of course, they are the biggest threats on the offense. So I think it's little things, slowly but surely, we're starting to learn. I don't yeah. know when it's all going to come together, but I, I like what I'm seeing on offense. Right. I know that's weird to say. I haven't no, said that in a while. It, it, because, <laughs> because it was so bad last year, we're seeing improvement. So now you can see things. That, yeah. And what we've been talking about on this show, what I've been writing about on the site you're not talking about going just suddenly being, you know, just this explosive juggernaut of an offense. It's just, look, man, find just simple concepts you can hang your hat on, things that regardless of what the front of the coverage is, things that you feel yep. you can go do well just to keep yourself from getting in those lulls where you have you know, four three and outs in a row and, yep. and nothing's going. Exactly. And we're starting, like you said, Rod, we're starting to see elements of that. One thing I really liked with this offense late in the second half was the run game. I, it mm-hmm. wasn't fan- – there was no – it was no flash. It was straight ahead. Just yeah. every Down now and then you saw some pin and pull stuff. But other than that, man, it's straight just, you know, imagine. almost like veer midline blocking. Like, hey, put a hat on a hat and get downhill and 
let's see what our running back can do. Yeah, and, and find a hole and get in. Yeah, and, and we make saw miss. we saw the difference with Keonta Ingram out because there are some of, of those course. runs I think Keonta oh, Ingram would have turned into very explosive. Uh, yeah, plays. exactly. And nothing. I, I really like Trey Watson. I think there's room on a team for a guy that maximizes enough runs and is smart enough and does enough things well that yeah. you can justify continuing to give. Yesterday, him the ball. I said he was Selvin Young to me. You know, what I mean, he's. You know, what I mean, he's a guy like post injury Selvin. Yeah, like he's kind Late of a, yeah, Selvin. exactly. He's kind of a Selvin Young character. Like Selvin Young could have, you know, probably been a you know, starting running back in college for a number of universities. But here, he was more of a role player. But mm-hmm. he was an awesome role player. And you saw yeah. that when you got to the to the NFL, it was like, holy crap, this dude actually can. Right. You know, what I mean, he actually can, you know, support a running game on his own. And Shanahan used him that way. I see him as that guy. And he, and obviously Trey Watson in the passing game. I think they got to start using them more that way. They don't use them. That's something else. They haven't used them enough in the passing game. I think we might have to see that on Saturday against TCU. But I want to talk about this Texas defense against USC. And, Rod, for me, it's real simple when you talk about the Texas defense. We know Todd Orlando's MO. He wants to stop the run, make you one-dimensional, and then he can go tee off and open up the exotics Mm -hmm. and do all all he wants. And in a lot of ways, like, yes, did Texas shut down the run when USC ran it uh, with the exception of really the one run by Stephen Carr was really all they got, the yeah. one touchdown run. That made him, which was, was, yeah, in the first quarter. Which was bad hat placement by Brandon Jones on the tackle. Brandon Jones gets his head across the bow. That's probably a six-yard run instead yeah. of a 23-yard touchdown. But other than that, they shut down the run, and then SC just stopped trying to run the ball. It was weird. They yeah. made themselves yeah. one-dimensional. It was strange because even they ran the jet sweep, I think, the first play of the game. And I don't think I, I don't know if I even saw it again. Actually. You didn't see much because I was like, oh, there's that Velas Jones guy. And then I remember when they did just I was like, oh, they're they going to run this all once, day. But I it was like in the it, second half, I think. I think they ran it, yeah, yeah, maybe one other time. And I was like, damn, I'm surprised they hadn't just broken that out a couple of more times. Mm-hmm. But – yeah, I'm with you. I think USC, this is what happens, I think, though, when Texas can get a lead. This is, and the defense, the defense played differently when the Texas offense was able to get them a lead and when they got in the game. That's, and that's why I think that, that symbiotic relationship we talked about, you know, the, the worst quarter for Todd Orlando's defense was the first quarter. And Texas is down early on in that game. And I think his defensive blueprint, his mentality, it almost works better or is more effective when Texas has a lead. Because the other team gets a little bit desperate, which yeah. USC did. Now, oh, they yeah. got desperate, even though they were making plays. Like, they actually were making plays. Amara St. Brown, I mean, good God. Yeah. That reminds me of a young, uh, kind of Odell Beckham light, right. if you will. You know what I mean? And we really didn't have a, an answer for him. I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't just dominating Texas, but, I mean, they, had, they have a hell of a connection. And I, I, even uh, to the point with Todd Orlando, at one point, in running man coverage on a third down, he puts Chris Boyd in the slot. Um, on a third down because I know he's worried about him. He's like, nah, man, this guy's this guy's killing me. So he tries to make adjustments, but I think USC panicked. And when Texas got up, they started throwing it a lot. They played right in the title Lando's hands. Yep. It was like, oh, okay, well, of course. It's exactly what I want. And then they got the quarterback. And what they do, they forced turnovers. Chris Boyd interception. Probably could have had another interception there. I think he kind of dropped on another cloud coverage. They kept running that cloud coverage too. Yeah. Um, that's where uh, Boyd got his pick. He's basically running cover two. And he's reading the number two receiver. Number two keeps going vertical, so he has no threat. So he sinks with number one. And then he's basically playing man under right there. So he's yeah. like, oh, they just baby to pick it. Caden uh, Stearns had a pick that he'd like. If it's one of those, like him and oh, Devontae, yeah, Davis Devontae Davis were in the same one. place. Like if one of them is, if hmm. it's one of those guys is there and the other one's not, yeah. that guy yeah, probably a has a pick. That's when yeah. both aren't in yeah. their position. It ends up being actually bad luck yeah. that they're both making a good play on the ball. And that happened yeah. another time earlier where you saw Texas just, uh, it's sometimes just luck if that thing. Are you talking about the Brandon play. Jones one? Yes, nah. exactly. Yeah, where he just, if he if he times his jump a little bit better, it's an yeah. interesting well, yeah, so They started swarming. You can tell like in the game. And they, they could have. Have more turnovers. They just only end up with two. Charles Manning with the strip sack is part of that. Team. And I, I like your, I like your, uh, your theory, Rod. That fourth down stops. You should count those as turnovers because Todd Orlando does. He, they should. No, be. they are. Yeah. You I get mean, the ball back. No. Yeah. And it's just a way that you can just look at numbers. The same way that flipping a field position. If you can go and get a guy that netted fifty yards per punt last year, like Dixon, that's like taking a first down, taking ten yards yeah. off their offense because it's just the field position. But whenever you look at the game log and really when USC decided to quit running the ball, it was that. That fourth down stop that Texas got because, like as you said, they the, the were sweep. able to run the first two drives. The sweep, hell of a play by Brandon Well, yeah, Jones, goal line yeah. exactly because yeah, terrible. Play the way call. to go and start yeah. that drive though. <laughs> 
USC is able to start that drive. Two of the first three plays are run plays after they had had running touchdowns and been successful running prior to that. Then they pass all the way downfield. They get into a goal-to-go situation on third and goal from the one, fourth and goal, get stuffed, stuffed. And from then on, it looks like they didn't have confidence because that's when all the rushes stopped and they just aired it out. He didn't pull any linemen or anything on it. I was like, man, give – Give Carr something. Like, yeah. he didn't give it, even though he just tossed it, it out. It's old school. So, yeah, a race. Like, uh, he, Texas is not slow. That's one thing we ain't on defense. We ain't slow. A- nope. After after the goal line stand, I thought that changed the, the game for the Texas defense. I agree. After the goal line stand, USC had three, four three and outs, yeah. 24 snaps, 98 total yards. <laughs> the yeah. very first run after the goal line, it was a six-yard loss by Stephen Carr. So, yeah. they, even after the goal line continued to run, and it was a six-yard loss. Yeah. So, after that, they had no confidence. Yeah. No, I agree. I don't. I mean, that was just a yeah, it was just a bad play call by him. You were, actually, they probably could have tried to throw in it because I think Anthony Cook was in the game. Then. He was in the game. Hmm. Yeah, because Devontae Davis got they hurt. ran. They ran a bubble. On, no, they ran a bubble. A, no, Anthony Cook made a good field? play because yeah. he basically played inside out on that receiver. Yeah. He could have taken. He could, it basically could have failed for the okie doke. And am I went, thinking that right? Was it a bubble on that side? It, of the it field? was a weird play because they they almost the spacing was wrong on it. I yeah. don't remember the play you're talking about because yeah. it was weird to me too. I was like, how do, well, that was weird. It just looked strange. I think I think it was supposed to be a screen and then the spacing was off on it. But Anthony Cook, when his receiver, they have two receivers there. He goes his number one receiver goes inside. Usually, a young corner would just. He goes, he goes all, you know, he's go all in for that fake. He's gonna go all in, and the number two receiver, he goes obviously goes outside because he's the receiver that's getting the, the the bubble screen or whatever the screen was. And then you got kind of a, a wide open lane to try to run and get to the pylon. But Anthony Cook was able to see what was going on, diagnose that hey, his receiver was going in basically to screen or you know to pick the uh, the defensive back inside. Yeah. And he didn't fall for the okie doke. That was a big move. That could end up being an easy touchdown for USC. Yeah. It really could have. That was oh, a yeah. good play by Anthony Cook for a young guy and, coming and in. Speaking yeah. of Anthony Cook, I'm I'm just continually blown away at how game ready this group of freshmen is. 18 baby. Yeah, that class is it, It's rod. I mean, we've yeah. seen really good freshman classes. You were a part of one. Yeah. Uh, I think that group in 2011, the, the Jackson Shipleys and the Malcolm Browns, those guys we're ready. Was that Quandre? Were, were they, that was Quandre. Yeah, yeah. that was a nasty. Like Those guys Texas were ready. Fans have been yelling for how Texas wants to get freshmen to come in and contribute. It's like man. everybody else does it. Why haven't we been able to do it for a decade? You know, this is a good class like that. B.J. Foster, even though the targeting penalty was unfortunate, but B.J. Foster's had a really good start. Caden Stearns with a blocked field goal. We saw from Anthony Cook. Even when we've seen guys like Joseph Osai on special teams, uh, yeah. Deshaun Jameson, his presence, we talked about that before. Joshua we obviously Moore. know what Keontae Ingram can do. Joshua yeah. Moore with the big catch. Yeah, man, that's um, legit. That this is, is it's it's in terms of we talked those bus rates we always bring yeah. up here on the yeah. Longhorn Blitz podcast. It's going to be interesting in three four years to look at that class. Yeah, see, a lot of contributors <laughs> already. Exactly already. <laughs> I mean, look at the dividends that class already paid. I agree with you, man. That, this 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 DB class though is going to be special, man. We, this, yeah. These safeties already, Caden yeah. Stearns and BJ Foster already, I and mean, we haven't even seen Demarvion Overshone or Jalen Green yet. Yeah. I may be just disrespecting <laughs> yeah, the rest of the Big 12 safeties, but it's like, I don't know who else I'd want to take other than those young guys. I don't, I don't know. Freshmen, you, they might I mean, be the best group. It'd be hard for me to find two younger, no, better safeties in the not country. Not even younger. Just better young there. safeties yeah. in the country. No, they're, they're – Caden Stearns, I mean – He's so dude, good. Dude, it's ridiculous that And he's guy, so big. Yeah, that's that young can have this much of an old soul. I mean, it's – he just doesn't look out of place. No. He looks – I mean, he looks – he honestly – He's going to start accelerating here in, after a while because it and naturally it happens for him. He's already he's a true freshman, so mm-hmm. he's learning. You know, I mean, it's like babies, right? They say mm-hmm. babies they they're sponges, so they soak up everything. That's how young true freshmen are, and he's in there soaking up more knowledge than anybody else. And yes, yeah, it's like kind of drinking through a fire hose, but mm-hmm. he doesn't like he's drinking through a no, fire hose. That's a beer guys, bong, he looks, man. He's taking it all. Yeah, he's taking it. <laughs> so my my thing is, though, we always know that true freshmen, the first six weeks of their you know when they're playing, you know, they're still figuring things out. He's still figuring things out. I, I've he's got better than be, everybody else. He's gonna start diagnosing things quicker around yeah. midseason after Oklahoma. He's gonna get a, trust me. He's gonna get a whole lot better around. I don't know when is the. Um, Oh, you know, Iowa State is the last game. Is like close to the last. It's the last game. home game. Yeah, last home game. Kansas is the last. Yeah, yeah, like he's the Black Friday game in freaking Lawrence oh, at eleven God. o'clock. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah watch out. Thanks, Big Twelve. Around that time, yeah. Let let the tradition die. If we're yeah. if we're playing in Kansas now around Thanksgiving, <laughs> let it die. If I've got to if I've got to eat my turkey dinner on Thanksgiving night in Lawrence, Kansas, then hey, you eating some yard bird? There you go, <laughs> yeah, Jayhawk feasting on some Jayhawk, yeah. baby. Uh, but uh, no, uh, Rod Caden Stearns kind of reminds me of Quandre Diggs from the standpoint that watching him in high school, you look at him and say, you know what? 
if you put that guy at any position, he'll probably figure it out and be really good I'll at it. On that. I think he probably, yeah, I think you probably could put him at Joker and he'd be fine to a Joker. I think even in high school. Corner, he'd be fine at corner. I think he'd play any position in secondary and I'd be confident. And he, if you look at his body, it was just a yeah. funny zoom out that they had and he was next to Brandon Jones and he's so much bigger. Than he's just longer. And, yeah. and, and to see that body, how he's going to fill into it. Because remember oh, hearing man. about that at the same age, Brian Arakpo being 6'4", 215 and growing 50 pounds of muscle. And then like, when he blocks that kick, I, first thought to me, was like, oh, watch out, Michael Griffin. It's like, if he's here four years that kid, is he going to play special teams? Because he could easily be blocking a kick every few games if he has those type of instincts, the size, speed, and that type of range, and then mentally like gets it and is connected and competitive. Yeah, This class, man, they got some pros in this class. Oh, I've, yeah. got, I've got a story up on the site right now about Sunday the freshman. And P.J. Locke said <clears throat> he woke up. You know, They had a 930 wake-up call the, the day of the Tulsa game in a hotel. Mm-hmm. I read this. And he said yeah. that uh, – you know, he said he wakes up at eight thirty and feels like he's you know getting a fresh start on the day and attacking mm-hmm. it. And he said B.J. Foster was his roommate. He said when he woke up at eight thirty, B.J. Foster was already awake, already, already going it. over the playbook already and his assignments it. for the game. That already night. on it, youngster. Yeah, and, and it's, it's exactly what sickness. I talked about. Right, it's a great story to bring up. I got to bring it up on the show because this is what happened to all of us when they brought in Nathan Basher and Michael Huff and all these youngsters. Mm-hmm. And you would watch these youngsters, and you'd have to tell them to stay at the practice. They were already on it. And you're like, well, I got to stay after up. at least 20 more minutes after this young dude. But I'm not going to let some young dude <laughs> like show me up. And then the, comp- the competitive level just continues to yep. increase, man, and get higher and higher. That's why you bring in those guys, man. That's that's that that's a great story. That really that's a great story. Mm-hmm. I'm glad well, to hear that. Well, Texas is going to need to bring the competitive juices on oh, Saturday man. as we transition out of the USA game. Anything you want to add on defense, guys, before we move uh, on? No, just give props to Dicker the kicker. There you uh, go. Dicker the kicker. Here it is right now. Dicker the kicker, I'm telling you to your family because I know your family listens to the show and they're big fans of the show. So listen, you got about three weeks, all right, maybe a month before I start copywriting Dicker the kicker t-shirts, okay? So I want you guys, I'm giving you fair notice because I'm going to uh, copyright the Dicker down the middle t-shirts and I'm telling you, nobody, nobody, hey, I'm going to make a ton of money off of it, but I'm giving you the opportunity, the Dicker family, to make money off it first. And if, if you, you listen don't to Rod it, for a long it. time, you know that he is promised lots of things like yeah. this and never done them but this one he sounds serious about oh, no. so they need to go out there <laughs> yeah. and trademark it dicker right up the, right down the uprights like dicker. yeah dicker it's just too good i love straight it. up dicker straight up dicker <laughs> more dicker i mean the t-shirts are <laughs> so, endless oh and for I mean, a college everybody could be wearing these down Bebo boulevard right everybody's wearing dicker shirts and then everybody's be like what's wrong with texas they love their punters and kickers too exactly. it love, it's like dick son dicker hey, like, that's because we got the best uh, punter and kicker in the nfl Dude, right now you know, do you know I how? Do you know? Punch. Do you know how you know? He did a drop kick for a kickoff. Two of them yesterday. I'll get to my Dicker do, stats. Do later. you know how you know? <laughs> do you know how you know Cameron Dicker special? Yeah. Tom Herman addressed him by name. By name, as a true freshman kicker. But he did have two forty-plus yard kicks, and Josh Rowland was three of eight last year on forty-plus yard kicks. So. Yeah, call him by his damn name. Dicker's his name. You remember it, Tom Herman. You I, remember it. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. Now that he's got Dicker the kicker, Tom Herman won't hate field goals nearly as much. Dicker the kicker, baby. I love that guy. I Cause, love him because he knows once you get pat, once you get in the plus forty. All right, we got three at least. Yeah, Dicker the kicker is about to go down in history. We had Dixon, then we have Dicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dixon and Dicker for real. Loving it. All right. Well, you're going to need more than Dicker the Kicker on Saturday <laughs> against true. TCU. Because, Rod, I uh, – not that I had the – I was irrationally confident that Texas was going to play well. I like that, that Case Every, McCoy, yeah. Cotton Bowl, mm-hmm. OU irrational confidence yeah. about Texas performing well against USC. And not that I got there against TCU, but I'm thinking, you know, maybe Texas has a chance. Uh-oh. Then I watched the Ohio State game. Mm. And – Here's my thing with this game, and I'll just open it up for discussion. Speak on it. When you look at the Texas offense against the TCU defense, I do think Texas is going to have a chance to run on TCU. I think if you can run right at TCU because they're not very big. Not the edges. And with the way this offensive line is playing, I love what Sam Cosme is doing at right tackle, and I like the mix. With all due respect to Zach Shackelford, keep that mix you've got with Rodriguez at center, Kerstetter inside at guard, and Cosme tackle. And I think the two tight ends – Beck and Brewer are doing a really good job. Yeah, they are doing a good job. So I liked what I've seen. You're going to need to be a little more diverse against TCU and not just be able to, you know, like you were against USC, just, hey, let's just get downhill and see what happens. Yeah. But I think Texas can run on TCU. Here's my thing, Ron. You're going to need to be explosive offensively. And 
anybody listening to this outside the Big 12 region will think I'm nuts, but those who understand and know Big 12 football I think will agree with what I'm mm-hmm. saying. I don't think Texas has the kind of athletes in space that can make explosive plays at a high enough clip that are going to allow you to win this game. I I, I like the way you put that. <laughs> and I, you know what? And the way you put it, it's hard to disagree. I heard a Ohio State player, I forget his name, I have to go back and look at the tweet, but he said TCU's the fastest team that we've ever seen that ever, they played. And I was like, really? That's crazy. Um, but this is Ohio State. You see in practice some of the fastest players in the nation. That tells the Big, Big Ten, though. Big Ten's It's a good point. Slow. In terms of culture. So that means I agree with Big you. You 12. run at TCU. You don't go to the edges on them. And also I agree with what you're saying about the, the just say explosivity. Even on offense, that's one thing mm-hmm. that Gary Patterson has prided himself on is always having speed, track stars. You know what I mean? And I think, yeah, I think ultimately it's another game, just like last week, that could come down to explosive plays and – I don't know if Texas can go blow for blow with TCU in terms of limiting explosive plays and also producing explosive plays. A big part of it is limiting explosive plays. Yeah. I think TCU can do better than I Texas' was, defense. I was floored watching the game. And, Matt, I don't know if you've got rates on TCU or yeah, not, but I was floored watching that Ohio State game. They, they've they turned into, like, yeah. veer and shoot Baylor, Oklahoma State because yeah. damn near everything they do in the passing game, Rod, is vertical. Yep, they're going downfield. At least they are this year. And, maybe and with guys like Jalen Rager and Kevontae Turpin, why yeah. wouldn't you? Yeah, and, <laughs> you know? and I'm worried about, you know, I think Turpin, I think there are a number of different ways that against Texas they can use a guy like Turpin too, which yeah. can be very dangerous. Well, they got a couple guys That's like that. I mean, Tay Barber's a guy like that. We know, yeah. We've know we seen what Rager can do. Yeah, they got a couple of guys like that. And I've talked, we've talked about it now as in the dual-threat quarterback. I mean, this next three, three game stretch will tell everything for Tyler Lando if he can adjust to the dual-threat quarterback. He's got to play. Uh, Sean Robinson was leading the Big 12 in yards per carry for in terms of quarterbacks. Uh, um, yards per carry, I think, at 6.6. Is it 9.9? When you take out uh, his garbage yards. Uh, well, yeah, but okay, when we're well, talking yeah. about when he runs, he's 9.5. Oh, damn. That's yeah, pretty that's good. Insane. That's even better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think for I think he's leading him in rushing touchdowns, too. So, for Texas, they're going to use that. It, Sonny Cumbie, they're going to they, – I guarantee they're going to use that. No yeah. question about it. They'd be, stu- they'd be foolhardy not to. Okay, so here's – the the answer, everyone's automatic answer is, well, why don't you spy the quarterback? So, Rod, as a defensive yeah. guy, what are the pros and cons of using a spy? And if you did that, I'm assuming it would be Gary Johnson? Yeah, if you do it, you want to do it with a guy that can go sideline to sideline and get him. Uh, and you don't want to waste a spy on him because that's even worse. So, I, yeah, yeah the, obviously, yeah, it, it's a numbers game, right? Football's a numbers mm-hmm. game. So, it leaves you uh, with less numbers in the passing game when you have a true spy. And now that guy can still be a whole player slash spy. That's why Gary Johnson will be ideal because I think even him as a whole player, he's got instincts and speed to be able to catch up to a mm-hmm. guy like Sean Robinson. And, yeah, he's still got to ha- tackle him in an open field. But I think you take your chances. The, the, the thing that hurts you is that if Sean Robinson in the passing game can connect, and I don't know if he necessarily can. I don't know if he's that efficient in the passing game. might be worth it to have a spy on him unless you got a guy like – you know, a Patrick Mahomes who who's lighting up the NFL Pick right now. Apart. All right, who literally can can make every throw in the football field and can also hurt you like a true dual threat quarterback. Those guys are rare, though. You know what I mean? So Mahomes. I think it's worth it to have a spy on them just so you don't get beat. But on downs, you got to pick and choose. You know what I mean? Yeah. Make sure it's on crucial downs, third downs, and third and long, second and long. And if you talk about explosivity with TCU, now time rushing explosivity, 32nd in the nation. Very good, especially when you look compared to the rest of their offense. You'd say that's sort of their strength now. Passing overall, 90th. But when you look on passing downs, which is when it really matters, if you're explosive on passing downs, yeah. that means your players are very explosive. And they're 23rd. They're making yeah. big plays when expected to yeah. pass, which is scary. Now, it also shows that overall they've had some holes because they don't have that type of explosivity throughout their offense. But when you look down at a guy like Sean Robinson and how you're talking about the mobile quarterback and you can have the spy theory or it's just like how you have to break off that you no longer can be in any type of man-to-man coverage and go to a zone. And, and, that's, where, and that's where when you look at the Big 12 culture, we talk about how you if you're trying to limit explosivity – the idea is almost best maybe to drop into that zone to keep it in front of you, make them do it 15 times or 10 times underneath and be disciplined with the young quarterback that he won't make a mistake. Then you will prevent him from winning the plays that you have lost or you've won because the ability of a quarterback to run after your defense has won a play, you can take that away with the zone because you're facing the mobile quarterback. If your back's turned, you're screwed. And if you're relying on one spy, it's a riskier situation. So it'll be just interesting to see how Orlando deploys it. Yeah. From a personnel standpoint, 
we got to talk about what's going to hurt Texas in this game, which is no Malcolm Roach. Malcolm Roach is out yeah. six to eight weeks with a broken foot. And what also hurts you, Rod, is you'd say, okay, then just open up in the lightning package. Well, remember that targeting hit we talked about with B.J. Foster? Yeah. You don't have him for the first half. That's huge. So now Todd Orlando's got to make a decision. Do you go base nickel with Jeffrey McCulloch as the B-backer, mm. or do you go with your dime personnel and go with Chris Brown as the joker? Or yeah. can you move some things around and maybe you uh, do you put P.J. Locke back at safety yeah. and maybe put Brandon Jones in that joker role? I don't know what you do, but yeah. I think you'll or maybe Caden Stearns in that joker role. You're not going to go up against TCU and put guys out there who haven't played. Like I, would think, I wouldn't think and, so, yeah. You know, I think Josh Thompson, I don't think you're going to put those guys out there. I think you'll see him move around some of the pieces he already has, either go with, it, go with the nickel that he trusts. If you're going to do that dime, I think, yeah, I'm with you. I think P.J. Locke, you move things around, just like when Brandon Jones didn't play back to safety. And then you, you you kind of adjust it from there, yeah. yeah. I, and I, I think Brandon Jones or Caden Stearns can move around honestly and play yeah. that Joker. Both of them have the size to do it. I I, w- I would actually like to see Caden Stearns on Joker. You know what I mean, I think both of them do. can do yeah. it honestly. Yeah, I with you. I like Caden Stearns better. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I just I worry about the explosive plays in, in this game and Texas not being able to make enough of them and TCU making one too many because that's all yeah. it's going to take. I, I feel real similar about this game. That because again TCU's offense has changed. It's not what it was no. under Kenny Hill or even mm-hmm. Trayvon Boykin. Like this is a different, a different deal. The one, the one th- chance I think Texas has, and I'm saying this because I watched TCU's game against SMU also. Sean Robinson's really careless with the football. He's a young quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Not good ball security at times. Yeah. So it's said just, the same thing about Sam Ellinger. But then <laughs> Matt, kind of what, what we were talking about earlier with those inter- missed interceptions uh-huh. against USC. Now you're talking about luck is, does a guy get, does, you know, did Breck and Hager or Charles Amenahu, do they get the corner right at the right time when he's holding the ball out, you know, real mm-hmm. loose and being careless with it, and then maybe you get a strip sack or something? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff you're going to count on. Basically, you're counting on the young quarterback to be careless with the football and then hope on top of that that you can take advantage of it. Yeah, but Charles Orlando's defense do that very well. And that's yeah. what they did in the USC game. Yeah. They were just the benefit of the bad luck. The DB's in position to make plays, and then the errant throw by the quarterback is just bad luck for Texas that it wouldn't be a pick six because they had it right there. Yeah. So it's sometimes yeah. when you're facing an inexperienced quarterback, you benefit from those things. The key for me in this yeah. game, guys, is can Texas control the tempo? And, again, anybody outside the Big 12 region is going to think I'm nuts. Anybody that watches football in this league will know what I'm talking about. The biggest mistake Ohio State made was turning that game into a track meet early. When mm-hmm. they were going tempo and TCU was going tempo, at some point Ryan Day, that Ohio State staff, realized we got to slow this thing down or we're just going to be chasing each other yeah. all over the field. Agreed. And once Ohio State controlled the tempo, once they toned it down, started running the ball a little bit more, they were gradually took control of the game. And Texas doesn't have the personnel Ohio State has offensively. I, I think if Texas doesn't have Keontae Ingram in this game, which – We'll see. Um, yeah. I think that could be a game-time decision. Yeah. We'll see how that goes. But if you don't have Keontae Ingram, it's going to be even more of an issue trying to create explosive plays. Uh, Rod, I'm just, I'm just having a hard time seeing outside of – Outside of the the uncontrollables, yeah. outside of I was just say outside of the controllables, mm-hmm. turnovers, yeah, mm-hmm. where I mm-hmm. see Texas winning this game. Uh, Sam Ellinger having a, an like you know one of his great games. I mean the greatest games we've ever seen him play. One of those, uh, yeah, outside of something like that, and that could happen. I mean Sam Ellinger easily. If that happens, I think Texas has honestly for Texas to be in this game, he's going to have to have a, a damn good game. Can't like turn football game. over. He's can't turn, but he's got to run the ball effectively, the ball. and they're going to have to run it in between the tackles with him, which is I don't know if they could do because Sam Ellinger get to the edges on TCU. They ain't going to work. <laughs> I don't think Texas should try to get to the edges. That's what I'm saying. Season. I think it's yeah. got to be straight ahead, but that's Bam Bam Sam. You got to unleash Bam Bam Sam. Yeah, I know, and that's something that makes everybody nervous. <laughs> uh, bam Bam. Yeah. Um, TCU has owned the series. As we get to predictions, oh, TCU has owned this series yep. of late. They won four in a row. I believe the scoring margin is something like one fifty-three to thirty-three. Had that forty-seven. Those four games. Why you got to go there? Yeah. Well, Rod is. We're we're letting facts get in the way of a good story. (laughs) Um. So let's go ahead and make picks. Matt, I'll start with you. Texas TCU. What do you think? Well, man, I think it's going to come down to actually something we've been talking a lot about with Sam, and is what I noticed in the USC game, and something that could be really advantageous. But first time that Texas with tall receivers like LJ. 
and Colin Johnson playing on a plane above a defense. You have small DBs for TCU, and I've noticed now we've seen it hurt Texas in the past, but quarterbacks like Sam Ellinger with that sturdy base and a big arm, when you can play on that high level, he's missing every throw deep. He's starting to play on a plane that you can't defend in college. Now you can be inaccurate, but if you're always missing on the side where you don't throw picks, you're running your fast guys open, it leads to explosivity, and you can play on a plane whenever you're well defended. Texas did that against USC, and I think it can help them come back from games going forward. So watch Ellinger. He's going to be missing all his passes long. If that's good, it's a good sign. End up Texas barely winning this game, like 16-14. Oh, damn. Yeah, look I'm at Matt. Actually, wow. Uh, I am not as optimistic as Matt, but I, well, I to appreciate Matt, the optimism. To Matt's point, to Matt's point, you go back and look at the one scoring drive they had last year against TCU – it was basically three deep shots to Lil Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson that got you down there to score. Well, I think that's going to be Texas all year long. I mean, mm-hmm. I think that's just what they have to do. I think Recognizing when the opportunity is. Yeah, when you get man to man coverage, that's where you actually have an advantage uh, uh, physically. And Patterson may do that. Yeah, so I, 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 and Patterson may be bold enough to do that. But uh, Patterson's a really good coach in terms of teaching his DB's techniques. So maybe to cut those guys off, force them to the sideline, that kind of stuff. I'm going to go with the better coach and Gary Patterson. You know, give me three coaches in college football that are better than Gary Patterson. I can only think of two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's Urban Meyer and Nick freaking Saban. You know what I mean? So I'm going to go with the better coach, man. That's why he's outcoached every damn coach Texas has had here in the last eight years. That includes Mac freaking Brown. Yeah. So I'm going with him, outcoaching Texas again. And I think Sean Robinson's dual threat ability is too much for Todd Orlando, as has been for Kasim Hill and Tyrell Pigram and Jesse Ertz. Um, and Alex Delton. It ain't the big. Mm-hmm. It ain't the big time NFL prospects that beat Texas because Todd Orlando can stop them. Look at JT Daniels. He can't stop the unpredictable. That's the dual threat quarterback. Yeah, I, I got Texas s- losing thirty-one to 20, 23. Uh, I'm a thirty-one twenty-one game. Okay. At the end of the day, I, again, I just don't see how Texas controls the tempo enough. How they limit explosive plays enough how they create enough explosive plays on their own. Maybe things change, but, Rod, I'll say this with the Big 12. We know there are certain teams where you just don't match up well against somebody. Mm -hmm. And I just think right now, Texas, I think, matches up really well with Oklahoma because we talked about that game. It's more of a line of scrimmage game, and we know Oklahoma's got defensive issues. I think that's why that game the last few years has been close. If you can thank Charlie Strong for something, Texas fans, it's that, that he kind of flipped the Oklahoma game to where now Texas knows they can compete with Oklahoma. There's not Basically, that yeah. you know big black cloud hanging over that thing where, oh, gosh, we're going to get hit in the mouth the and is it going to get really yeah. bad. No, that's that's a good point. Point. I agree. That's a yeah. good point. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Um, but I just think TCU is just not a good matchup for Texas for the reasons I mentioned. I do think Texas keeps it close reasonably, um, but I'll take TCU by 10. There you go. Yeah. Matt, dude, I like that, brother. Yeah. I like the cojones, the scones you got with that one. I, I like, like the it. way the numbers are going. It looks good for Texas. Okay. Uh, Give me we'll, those numbers, please. We'll see. <laughs> Send me all those numbers. We'll see on. if we'll see if Matt's right or if TCU <laughs> makes it. The public right now is eighty-five percent on TCU. The public's never beat Vegas. It's true. Good point. We'll see if Matt's right or if TCU makes it five in a row. And we're talking about a loss next week, getting ready to go to Manhattan. Manhattan, Kansas, a place Texas has not won since Rod Rod Babers was wearing a uniform. I had a good game that game. Rod B going in with the Stormtrooper Whites, knocking off a Bill Snyder coach team. Yeah, baby. Isn't it weird that Bill Snyder's still the head coach at K-State? That is is very weird. Even though he had that little sabbatical where there was the whole Ron Prince deal that K-State fans don't really talk about. And Ron Prince still was beating Texas. (laughs) Ron Prince was 2-0 against Texas. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Jordy Nelson got a career out of <laughs> Speaking it. Speaking of your matchups, teams that don't match up well against yeah. certain cultures. Boom. We're, we're about to get two in a row for Texas. Purple tonight. And we'll see how it goes. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049-101 AM1260, streaming worldwide on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcast, and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.